today and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, church family, for that uh, warm and encouraging welcome. That's uh, a Indeed, a privilege and an honour for me to be asked to, to bring a message to you this morning. Uh, for those of you that don't know my background, um, I'm a teacher, and so just to put me in my comfort zone a little bit here this morning, I'm going to start with a roll call. No, no just kidding, we, um, we don't need a roll to know that um, pastors, our beloved pastors, Josh and Kristen, are with us. They're often a well-deserved holiday, and so... We just pray that they'll be having, um, they'll be safe, they'll be well, and that they have a refreshing time in in um, spirit and physically as well. So, um, for those of you that have been here over the last month, you're probably aware that we've been beginning to have a, a look, a close look at a scripture in two Peter, and specifically um, two Peter one five, and. To date, we have had um, pastors Ben and Josh speak wonderfully to us on, um, on faith, and I just want to just sort of refresh and connect with that, and especially last week how, how um, Pastor Josh mentioned in Hebrews how it says that it is impossible to please God without faith, and so... I just want to establish that I'm building on that foundation because, as you'll see, as this message unfolds, um, I just need to restate that, that, that we're building here on a foundation of faith and without, without that saving faith, without that gift of saving faith through grace, none of this counts for anything. And so I don't want to be seen in any way to be taken away from that. So if you could just keep that in mind and that will become a bit more aware why I'm, I know I'm stating the obvious, but I just, I just need to say that. But after this faith, it's my belief that there is a life to be lived and that life requires something of us. If we have a look at this scripture into Peter, there's a couple of words there that say, giving all diligence. And before we proceed after faith um, that's been spoken of already, I, I just feel just to, to touch on that word diligence for a little while because it refers to all the following points that, are, that come, giving all diligence. And so I spent some time, I'm a bit like me and I'm a word person, and I spent some time um, just looking up what the meaning of the word diligence is and it's kind of not one of those warm, fuzzy words, that's for sure. And a couple of the um, interpretations that I came up with say this about diligence. Hard work, care and effort. And then there was this other one here that says persistent application to an understanding, or sorry, to an undertaking. So I sort of understand that to, <clears throat> to we Pentecostals, that concept of hard work and application can almost seem a little bit foreign. It's a bit like something we want to put back into the Old Testament realm. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
and that we understand that everything in the Old Testament was based on the law and obeying the, the law, and it's very much a, a, a self-effort thing. It was very much a hard works, and it, the relationship that uh, the Jews had with God was very dependent on their own self-effort, and so there was, a, there was a lot of diligence involved. But we as Pentecostals had this wonderful understanding of grace and that our relationship with God is much more founded on, on a free gift, on grace. I, I love that word and I don't want to detract from it anyway. I, there's certain words in the English language to me that just have more than just a word. I, they just seem to have something that washes over you and that's the way it is with me, with, with grace. It's just a, just a beautiful word and it, it covers so much, so much um, depth and meaning to our relationship with God. But... Still, there it is staring us in the face, giving all diligence. And so we can't shy away from it. We've got to address um, what that means in our daily walk as Christians. So I thought I might just sort of set the context a little bit here and have a look back in the Old Testament and, and, and just have a think about the fact that that relationship that they had with God was very much dependent on their own self-efforts and it's something that they kind of brought upon themselves that um, the law came and um, it was up to them to see if they could hold that hold up to that law up to that measure and if you've read much of the old testament you'll be aware that there was this endless cycle of them trying to please god with their own self-efforts and miserably failing and so that system pointed towards failure so then god knew from the start, of course, but at the end of that little episode that he had to do something different. And so Christ came and bought grace, a free gift, and no longer was our relationship based solely on our own efforts or our diligence. It was based on, on a gift from God. But sometimes when I, when I look at that gift, I think if the law had a weakness in that it was always going to fail... I can see this in my own life, that sometimes this grace walk has a weakness and that's complacency. And it's very easy for us to then overemphasize, I'm not sure about your life, but I know I do sometimes, overemphasize on the grace element and just fall into a little bit of slackness, thinking everything's done, it's all done, it's all a free gift. But then I, I see this word, diligence. And it just doesn't just pop up in 2 Peter. It's there in a few scriptures. In fact, when I went to my concordance, it's there five or six times. So I can't shy away from it. I can't pretend it's not there. And so I've got to address it and think, okay, God's calling me to something here and I need to give it some, some serious consideration. So I, I just wanted to talk a little bit because my message this morning is actually on the first uh, trait that comes after faith and that's virtue but I just needed I thought to address diligence now psychologists tell us actually before I jump to there I was looking at some bible commentaries sorry I'm a little bit tied to my notes I've still got the training wheels on when it comes to being up here so I'll have to go back to the notes I had a look at a commentary I had a look at several commentaries on 2 Peter 1.5 and one of them I really liked when it 
touched on the word diligence and it made this statement, making your contribution in answer to his. Just, so just have a think about those words. I'm going to come back to that phrase a couple of times. I'm not going to try and um, unpack it in any depth right now, but making your contribution in answer to his. So I'm one of these people who thinks in picture form. We think in different ways, and I very much think in pictures. So you'll have to bear with me because I'm going to use that, that um, way of thinking that I have to portray or get across to you some of the things I believe God was speaking to me. So I'm going to um, just talk about these pictures that I got when trying to unpack this whole scripture and idea. And the the first one I got was this picture or or almost like a short video, if you like, of a, a train journey. And I was envisaging a man standing on a platform in a train station and he had a bit of a forlorn look on his face and one of the conductors came up to him and said hello and said to him, oh, are you travelling on the train today? And he said, well, I'd like to be but it's a very expensive journey. I've been trying to save up for the train trip all my life and I never seem to be able to um, save enough money to pay for this expensive ticket. And the conductor sort of had a bit of a smile on his face and he said, you know, there's somebody that's been on this journey and they've decided to actually pay for some tickets. So we're going to actually, if you'll accept, I would like to give you a ticket to get onto this train. And a big smile comes on this man's face and he says, oh, yeah, of course, I'd love to accept. It'd be fantastic because I know the destination of this train is paradise. This, this journey, so I'd love to get on. And he says, oh, great, but you have to remember or have to let you know that this train travels right through the heart of a country called Life. And he says, oh, I've heard about this place, this country called Life. I've heard there's some pretty ugly stuff that happens there. And the conductor says, yep, yep, you've heard right, but we're still going right through the middle of Life. Are you still on? Are you still on board? And he says, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm as long as we still get to paradise, don't we? And he says, yeah, if you stay on the train, we go to paradise. And he said, oh, that's all right, okay. So he, he takes his ticket and he jumps on board. And um, not long after he's been on board, he, he's taking a walk up the aisles. He bumps into the conductor and the conductor says to him, hello, my friend, where are you off to? And he says, I'm heading up to first class. I've heard that they're serving some bless me cocktails and that's, that's where I'm off to. And the conductor says, oh, yep, you, you can go up there if you like, but first of all, I'd like you to come back to some of the other carriages and clean some of the sleeper uh, apartments uh, with me. And he says, hang on a minute, my, my ticket's been paid for. And the conductor says, yes, that's true, your ticket's paid for. This is a totally free journey but we noticed when you got on board, you came on board with a bit of baggage. You know, people, when we, when we get on this train of faith, most of us come on board with a bit of baggage. Certainly I did. And I'm so glad that God doesn't have some rigorous security check like at an airport, fleecing us down for our baggage, and when he finds baggage, he says, no, you can't come on. He, we are allowed to get on this train of faith 
with our baggage. And uh, I think it's been my experience anyway that when we're asked to go through certain trials and go through certain tribulations, it has a way of dealing with our baggage. And I, I don't think there's any escaping that. But So, church family, we're on this train called Faith and we are promised by the captain of the train that there's going to be some tribulations. So I'm going to have a look at my first scripture, which is, if you want to go there, is John 16.33. I'm sure you're all quite familiar with it, but I'll have a read of it anyway. It goes like this. These things, this is Jesus speaking, of course. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Like, is, is that supposed to be some kind of funny joke, Jesus? Be of good cheer when the tribulations come? And then backed up in James, of course, that when you fall into various trials, count it all joy. Count it all joy. Tribulations, why would you count them all joy? Because they're going to produce something good in you. If, if you are submitted to God's purpose and will, you can count those tribulations all joy because they, I put it to you people, they are going to produce virtue in you if you allow them to. And so... Tribulations. They're going to be there, but we can face them with all joy. But to use some words of our beloved pastor, here's the tension that I have with this concept in this scripture. How much, referring back to the word diligence, how much is dependent on the Holy Spirit giving us strength and then us applying all diligence. You know, I kind of, I think Josh got the, the timing a little bit wrong in asking me today. I think he should have asked me when I was 18. Because when I was 18, I knew it all, and I would have been much more confident. But now I'm not 18 anymore, and I don't know it all. And so I can't give you a specific formula, people. As a teacher, it's... When you teach, it's fantastic to know your subject really well and you think, I'm going to be able to put this over so precisely, I'm going to be able to give them an exact formula and the people that are listening to me are going to go out well-educated. But in this case, I can't say that. I can't say to you it's 95% Holy Spirit and 5% your diligence. I can't give you the exact formula that it's 99% Holy Spirit and 1% your diligence. But I have learnt that it is a blend and that there is something as that, if I can go back to that phrase before, that making your contribution an answer to his. So... If we could run through a few scenarios, because I don't think there is such a thing as an exact formula, and I don't think there's an exact thing as an exact formula that applies to every challenge you'll come across in life. 
if you find yourself on a crowded bus, all the seats are taken and an old lady gets on, you don't have to run into the prayer closet or ask the Holy Spirit for strength, I don't think, to stand up and give your seat over to that old lady. But if you're about to speak a message between three, two, three or four hundred people on a Sunday morning, you better get on your face and ask the Holy Spirit for everything that he's going to can give to you because that's going to be a bit more challenging. So it's a blend, but exactly what the ratio is and is changes from day to day and, and the skills that he's already given to us. At the end of the day, it all comes back to God anyway because he's created us the way we are and so... All glory goes to him, no matter uh, what the circumstances. All right, if we could move on to virtue now, and I'm going to just have a look at our definition. We have a little group that meets and, and goes over this particular scripture and how we'll unpack it. And after a little bit of thrashing out and going around in circles for at least half an hour, we came up with this definition Virtue, God's moral excellence revealed or expressed through us. And so that moves me on to our, our um, key verse, which is found in 2 Corinthians 3.18. If you haven't got a Bible, you could find that on the, um, the card that you are able to take home and I'll talk about this card a little bit later as well. So, 2 Corinthians 3.18 reads like this. We all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And I've read this scripture a few times, and I found it, a little bit confusing because I thought, I don't want to be standing in a mirror and looking at myself. Doesn't the scripture say I'm supposed to be looking unto him? And so I was discussing this with Josh and he put a lovely new light on it for me and he was, he was talking about how we are the mirror. And if I can focus on that particular, um, those p- couple of words in that scripture that says, being transformed into the same image. So as we, the concept is that as we stand and look upon him, we are the mirror that's reflecting the image of God to the world. And I thought that was a really good little take on that, on that scripture. So if you've read some of the Bible, you probably got the idea that God is seriously into righteousness. I mean, he is right into doing the right thing. That's his core nature. It's a nature of virtue. And so what we're saying through this scripture is that the more time you spend looking unto him, the more you are going to reflect of his image, which has as a really core component virtue. And so if I can encourage you people, look more to him. It's not something that's just done out of our own self-effort. We're looking unto him and as we do that, we start to reflect um, his, his nature. All right, on to my next picture. I want to try and convey this somehow in a father and son 
concept and I came up with this picture of a, a cowboy and a cowboy and his son. Cute little photo. So you can easily imagine this young boy growing up on the farm. He sees his dad. He sees his dad doing everything in quite a, um, I don't know, just in a way that he admires, I guess. And the more he looks at him, the more he wants to be like him. And he starts to take on the very nature of his dad in everything that he is. Look at this little guy. He's pretty well equipped. And he, that just didn't happen by accident. That happened by him looking at his father and watching how his father walks and talks and does things. Then that moves on to our, the next concept in this father-son um, analogy that, or this picture that I got, and that as we, as we look upon what our father is doing, we become like him and we also start to do similar works that he's doing as well. We mature in that, in that development. And like Jesus said, the only work I do is what I see my father doing. And I, th I think the more that we gaze upon the Lord, that's the transformation that happens, that we begin to take on his nature, we begin to work with him, and we begin on this earth to actually do the work that he's doing. You know, I, like you people, I have a, a great love for Jesus. But it's not just a love for him because what he did on the cross. He's my saviour and I love him for that. But if I can say this, you know, I, it's not meant to be in a, in a dishonouring way, but I love him because he is a really top guy. Do you know what I mean? He just does life so well. And I, that's, I, I love him for that as well. And that I think out of that love, I have a great desire, great admiration for who he who he is and the way he handled life, the way he done th did things, that I want to do things the way he, he did things. And so it's, um, yeah, the, the love that I have for my saviour is, is twofold and it produces certain things in me, I believe. I know there are times when I, I take my eyes off him and I, I do things in my own strength, but more and more I want to apply all diligence. I want to be looking to him and be more and more like him as the cowboy son took on, takes on the image of his dad. All right, I'm going to finish up with a picture out of my own little photo album. Now, if you don't um, recognise that fine strapping young man in the red 90s style boardies... <laughs> That, that's yours truly. And um, the one looking on is my son, Blake. And John and Val Fuller might be interested to know this picture was taken by Glenn Fuller down on Noosa Main Beach many years ago. You know, when I, when I look at that, first saw that photo, there was something that really touched my heart about it. And it's not because of the focus or that it's just a fantastic photo or the picture of the nice colours in the sky and the ocean. It's something about the interaction that's happening there between the dad and the son. 
No, I, I've uh, been a surfer most of my life and it was probably a skill that I wanted to pass on to my sons and so I've sort of come down to Blake's level there wanting to communicate something with him and here's his first surfboard and I'm letting him know, okay, this is the side you lay on, son, and that's the side that goes on the, the water, just having a bit of a chat with him. But he's got this beautiful look on his face to me or I don't know whether it's just the way he's standing or what it is that he's, I like to think he's thinking, yeah, Dad, I see the way you've been ripping those waves up out there. <laughs> it's really cool and I want to do what you're doing. You know, he's, he wants to learn something that, that I've learned in my life. And, and to me, I like to think that's the way our Heavenly Father is. When he, when he looks upon us and he sees us applying this diligence, Father, we just want to be like you. We really love who you are and the way you did things. Now on this card there's uh, some reflection scriptures and one of them is um, in Matthew... I'll find it in a minute. Sorry, in Luke chapter 4, 115, where after 40 days without food, the devil comes to Jesus and, and wants to tempt him. I mean, you're going to be pretty hungry. And the devil says, turn these stones into bread. I mean, that's quite a temptation, isn't it? Yeah, I've been out here doing it tough. I think I have the privilege to do that. I think that can't be all that bad. But no, you know, this is Jesus being virtuous. He stayed true to the cause. He could have dipped back into the self-nature and thought, yeah, it's time for me to be blessed. But he stood strong against those temptations because he was true to the call of God on his life and, and um, rebuffed uh, the devil with that scripture that goes something like, man does not live alone on, on bread but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You know, I look at that and I, I really admire that. I think, wow, I want to be able to, to do life like that. Or, or what about when Jesus was... Um, on his trial before Pontius Pilate and they're hurling all these accusations at him. I mean, he's lived a perfect life and now he's in this court and they're hurling insults at him and accusing him of all these things. I mean, isn't that time for a bit of the wrath of God? <laughs> like, poof, just one thunderbolt, you know. How, how dare you? It would have been so easy for him, wouldn't, wouldn't it? But in this virtuous nature that Christ has, once again, he resists the temptation to react in anger or to go back to us any kind of self-nature and stays beautifully true to the cause of the Father and is led silently like a lamb to the slaughter. If anybody had right to respond um, in an angry way, he did in that case, but you know, these are the things that I look at to my, my King and my Saviour and when I read the scriptures and just say, boy, Jesus, you did life so well and I, that's, I want to follow in your footsteps. All right, so to the card. I know there's a couple of seats that don't have these. It kind of ran out, but most seat pockets have one of these cards and this is all part of this unfolding of this scripture that we're going to give you something to take home. Um, you'll find that key verse on it 
And you'll find in another little red word there says a strategy, fast and feast. I hadn't heard of this concept before, but I rather like it. If you move straight down to the tool, it's the, the concept is that you're going to, if you, if you want to answer this challenge, you're going to fast something that is brings some kind of um, fleshly pleasure perhaps or entertainment or whatever and feast on something of God. I've never really thought about fasting in that concept before, but I really love the idea that you're fasting something to feast on something else, fasting on something of temporal value or worldly value to, to feast on something of kingdom value. And we're believing that by, by applying that, that it's going to build um, these characteristics, these traits that are spoken of in 2 Peter 1.5. Uh, on the card, there's also some scriptures to reflect on and some examples. As I mentioned, that one of Jesus. Uh, there's also an example of Stephen where he was under persecution and how he behaved in such a, a virtuous uh, manner. All right. That brings me to the end of my message. I just want to pray with you people. Um, hope I haven't stood on anybody's toes. And, yeah. So, just in closing now, Heavenly Father, it's just such, a, such an honour to be called your people, to, to carry the label of your son and be called Christians, Father. That's just such a tremendous honour. And we just pray that as we, as we do life, Father, that you would equip us to bring glory, to bring honour to that name and to that person, our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.